gentlemen, welcome to the Doctor Script Show, where we're talking about your favorite movies. What was good, what was bad, and how we can improve on things. We don't just talk about the problems, we get solutions to the problems. And my co-host today, solving this scary mystery, Dr. Sam. Listen, we gotta figure out the plot to this movie and unmask <laughs> the holes in the characters that are within this this structure story. I'm trying really hard on that. <laughs> we gotta unmask the story and find out what dirty kids and stupid dog wrote this movie. Am That's I right? right. It's per- we've unleashed quite the beast today. <laughs> what are we talking about, Sam? We're talking about Scooby-Doo 2. Monsters Unleashed, and in case anyone forgot, almost a full year ago we did uh, Scooby-Doo, the original 2002 live-action version. Yes. And boy, did we have a great time watching that. Yeah, no, uh, quick thoughts. What what did you think of the first Scooby-Doo movie? Uh, Just to go back, I mean, it's... I, I've uh, having sat with it for a year now. Uh, it's still very dumb. Uh, it's not still not very good, but it's just a fun time. They like. I still don't like the mixed tones, but when it's ridiculous, it's great. When it takes itself too seriously, it's like okay, calm down. I I still have fun with it. It's not good, but it's it's a time. Yeah, it's harmless. Looking back on it, and I like sort of do a list on all the movies that we've done. Scooby-Doo, the first one, was still pretty high up after a whole year for me. Like, I still enjoyed it a ton. And, you know, it might just be because it's been a year, but I think I might have liked the second one more (laughs) than the first one. I think the second one was more confident in what kind of movie it was being. Uh, They definitely, you know, had... James Gunn had to go through, you know, all the drafts of the first script to be like, is it, is it R-rated? Is it PG-13? Is it going to be a kid's movie? And then this other one, they knew what they were getting into, so it was probably a more streamlined process. Yeah, th- this one definitely does have, like, it doesn't have those undertones of the first one where it's like, oh, like, the cutscene of Velma and Daphne. Like, this one definitely is like, all right, let's get more fart jokes in here, man. Yeah. And, yeah, grew up with Scooby-Doo. A big fan of that, too, for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, did you grow up with Scooby-Doo? I forgot. I mean, I knew about it, and I watched it, like, pretty frequently. It wasn't a thing where I was, like, a huge fan. I'm like, I can't wait for, like, to watch the next Scooby-Doo episode. Like, I think, <laughs> like, Kids WB ended up getting it at certain points. So, like, if it was after school and I was home at, like, 3 o'clock, I'd watch it. But it was it was not a big part of my childhood, but mm-hmm. I, always, I was always sure to watch it when it was on. I was a big, big Scooby-Doo fan. Scooby-Doo show that was on when I was a little kid was What's New Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. I remember that. And the the people that made the intro song for that show was Simple Plan. And it's like this angsty teen, like, uh, and they did a good, it's like, what's Scooby-Doo coming after you? Gonna solve that mystery. That is classic early yeah. 2000s right there. Yep. Uh, I remember that. I mean, I... Personally, my favorite Scooby-Doo series is a pup named Scooby-Doo. Yeah, ah, uh, preach, uh, preach. <laughs> I forget what we talked about specifically that first time, but I, I don't think we mentioned a pup named Scooby-Doo. I don't think we did either. Uh, and I have thought about it a lot recently, especially having seen Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. Yeah, the, uh, I loved how in Pup Named Scooby-Doo, they had, Fred was always obsessed with the one side character being the villain. His, his name, name was Red Herring. <laughs> red Herring, yeah. Which, anyone who doesn't know literary terms, a Red Herring is someone in a mystery who you think is the villain like partway through or even halfway through, and it turns out to be someone else, and they're called the Red Herring. Yep. Uh, good times, good times. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed the second movie right now. It knows what it is, and we're going to touch up on that. 
and it yeah. definitely still needs some fixing. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, but it it's more it's a more confident movie. Which the crazy thing is that this one came out less than two years after the first one. Yeah, and considering all like the effects that they had to put into it, and like you know the story at least all that. That's a pretty uh, well like well done like uh, event. Yeah, that's insane. Like, they must have literally, like, that weekend when it opened, they were like, all right, we're making a sequel, we'll do it right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, all right, should we just get in and start summarizing this bad boy? Let's dive right in. All right, so we opened Scooby-Doo 2. We're falling around this pterodactyl going into yeah. the credits and everything. But we see it from its point of view, mm-hmm. and it's flying through this, the city of Coolsville, <laughs> which we didn't get in the first one, but they established that this is Coolsville. Uh, and they're flying through the city. You see all the credits. You see co-executive producer James Gunn, yep. written by James Gunn, directed by Raja Gosnell, who's a, a different figure altogether that I don't think we talked about the first time that I kind of want to talk about after this. Okay, well, make note of <laughs> yeah. that. And so uh, the monster goes over this one museum, and they're having this grand opening, and it's for the Mystery Incorporation Monster Museum. And so the whole game, the Scooby-Doo game, walks out, and they are greeted with all their fans. Daphne has these two really crazy guys who have tattoos of uh, her on their chests. You know how when you're a detective, you're a celebrity? Yeah. Isn't that just how always how it happens? <laughs> Um, I love how <laughs> Scooby has dog fans, and mm-hmm. like they're like, sign my bowl, lick my butt. You know, all right, that's Classic child humor. Stuff. <laughs> and then Shaggy has stoner friends, and like, yeah, what's good? But they can't like say that they're stoners because he walks up and just sniffs. Yeah. And he's like, what's up, guys? <laughs> and they're like kind of holding hot dogs, so you like... You, you, we know. You yeah, know. you know. I mean, know. I didn't know when I was nine, but I do know now. No, that's one of the few jokes I remember where it was like subtle about you know mm. having adult stuff. But they go into the museum and we see all these really cool costumes that they've had from in the show that they've like unmasked, and it's like it's really cool seeing those. Um, it's cool to see like nostalgia like for the animated series, but play out like live action. Like they they have the tar monster and they've got like that one with the. What was it? The ones that go the, the underwater guy, uh, Captain Cl- Captain Cluster or something like that. Sure. Yeah, it was really cool. Scooby and Shaggy are just walking around, and I think they bring up that they feel sort of like they didn't really help when they were doing these mysteries. Like, oh, we sort of just wore the bait and got caught. Like, mm-hmm. we're not real mystery solvers. And they go up to the pterodactyl, and they're like, "Wow, that looks really w- uh, real, Scoob." And he's like, "Ruh row, yeah," and. The pterodactyl blinks, and then they walk away. Well, they're like, it's one of the things where Daphne was like, hey, this isn't real, just get over it. But they do that, and then Velma, from across the room, sees, ooh, red hot Seth Green (laughs) just walking down the way in slow motion. And he does that thing where he trips and falls like it's quirky, and then he stands right back up. Oh, uh, you know we're in the early 2000s when that's the character intro. Like, God damn, come well, on. When you know what kind of movie it is, Seth Green does the most exaggerated, like, trip and fall. So I think he knew what movie he was getting into. But basically, Seth Green and Velma uh, talk for a little bit, and Seth Green's like, I'd love to take you on a date. You're so, you know, mysterious, and you're a jet-setting celebrity. And Velma's like... I'm sorry, I can't go out with you. I'm none of those things. Yep. (laughs) Sure. I guess this will be Velma's plot for the movie. Yeah. Oh, boy. They're all having this grand presentation, like, oh, Mystery Incorporated, you did such a great job for Coolsville. 
And as they're trying to, like, accept their award, Pterodactyl comes alive and starts wrecking up the whole uh, place. Shaggy and Scooby are trying to catch it. They end up, like, getting caught with it, holding it on ropes, and everything's flying around, like cheese, hot dogs, (laughs) chickens. The Pterodactyl, meanwhile, is, like, scooping up a couple costumes on its way out. Uh, And they think that they've captured it, like the, you know... Fred, Velma, and Daphne have, like, wrapped it up in some curtains, and Scooby and Shaggy, like, have the ropes, and they tie it up, and Scooby and Shaggy's like, all right, let go, we've got this, and then when they let go, they didn't tie it correctly. And so the whole thing just falls down, and the <laughs> the pterodactyl does a Jurassic World and, like, <laughs> winks at it and, like, gives him a s- shit-eating smile, like, ha-ha, you know? <laughs> yeah, and then he takes uh, the Black Knight costume and the 10,000-volt costume, I guess, and flies off, uh, but before he does that, there's a masked man that stands in the window that yells. <laughs> he starts every sentence with "Mystery Incorporated," <laughs> and I like to imagine that he does that no matter where he goes, even if it's just like a drive-through. Mystery Incorporated, give me the number three. <laughs> Where he goes to a, get his prostate check and. <laughs> The doctor just goes straight in, and he's like, Mystery Incorporated! Be gentle! Everything is to always starts with that. Oh, man. But yeah, basically, a masked figure takes credit for the operation and says, you know, if, if, you, if you don't stop what you're doing, Mystery Inc., there will be more monsters, and we will wreak havoc upon the city because of all the misdeeds that you have done. Yep, and so the pterodactyl takes away him and the costumes. The game's looking around of all the, like, wreckage and stuff, and Velma finds a secret passageway that how the pterodactyl got in, finds out that they have, like, this re- weird scale green goop stuff. Yeah, it's, like, what they think is part of the costume, but they look at it and it's like, oh, this, like, looks like a real, you know, uh, reptilian scale. And so they take that and they head back to their, uh, la- I don't say lair, <laughs> like, their mystery ink, like cool bachelor pad or whatever. Yeah, literally. It looks like it's from uh, Austin Powers, like all the 70s stuff they got going on. But they watch TV and this one reporter, like, who was there at the beginning doing this report on how they failed and how they're such bad detectives. And they take a clip that Fred said and played out of context. And this, it seems like this reporter is really out to get them. Yeah, it's a bit strange. And so... Velma turns off the TV, and Daphne, Fred, and her, Velma, start talking about, like, oh, you know, like, we should have, like, expected less from Scooby and Shaggy because, like, you know, it's Scooby and Shaggy. Mm -hmm. And Scooby and Shaggy are in the background listening to this, like, hiding, and they're like, all right, Scoob, like, they're right. We're not detectives. Like, we need to really, like, show them that we're, we, we are needed in this group. And they, like, take a vow to be better detectives. So... They dress up in <laughs> Velma and Fred's, like, gear. Yeah. And Scooby wears Vel- or, uh, Daphne's shoes, and Daphne's like... Those boots don't go with that sweater. Because yeah. <laughs> he's wearing Velma's sweater. Right. Uh, and they discover that uh, the the scale that they found is, in fact, like, a real, uh, like, reptilian thing. And they're like, how did, how did that become, like, a real pterodactyl? And they're like, we don't know. Uh, and they go into, like, this backstory about the guy who was the original pterodactyl monster yeah uh his name's some some like jonathan jacobo yeah jacobo Uh, and he went to prison and escaped uh but he died trying like because it was like a prison surrounded by water he fell in the water and apparently died uh the only person to like know him was his cellmate 
uh, who I forget who it was, but it's played by the grand, like the, the dad from Everybody Loves Raymond. <laughs> yeah. And so they think that they might be able to try and figure out if he'll if he's the one that might be able to tell them what's happening. Right. So they decide they're going to go to his house. And he's the number one suspect for it all. Mm-hmm. He's a uh, old man Winkles. That's right. You know? His official so, title is Old Man Winkles. Well, it's Jeremiah Winkles, but that's what they call him in uh, the movies. Like Old Man Winkles. Like oh god, yeah. of course, of course. They end up going to his house and they're ringing the doorbell. They go to Old Man Winkles house. Sorry. And they're ringing the doorbell, and it gives, like, an automated voice message. like, leave, don't come, or something bad will happen. And Fred's just like, you know, F it. And he's about to do it. And Shaggy's like, well, Fred, like, you know, he said something bad's going to happen. he's like, Shaggy, what's the worst thing that could happen? And he pulls on the lever, and a trap door goes up. And they're like, no. And Scooby, like, almost gets away, but not really because he's a cartoon. And they get trapped in a huge ball of, like... like like yeah. a weird hamster ball kind of thing, mm-hmm. and they're trapped down there. And uh, <laughs> there are a couple good jokes. Yeah. Because uh, then across the way they see a Girl Scout cookie uh, girl. She's like, "Would you like to buy some cookies?" And then Scooby's like, "Cookies." And then right next to that <laughs> ball is uh, some Mormons who are like, "Would you like to hear the good word?" <laughs> or have you heard the good word? And Scooby goes, "Yeah, there's cookies." <laughs> and that's a. <laughs> this movie doesn't have too many great jokes, but that's a really good one. Yeah, I know. That, I respect that joke a lot. When I was watching this happen, I literally wrote out, like, oh, they should have Mormons, and they had it. And I was like, great. Good great. job, Jim, uh, James Gunn. You did good. You, you did, did good. good. So basically, Velma finds a way for them to escape from the doll. Uh, they free the Girl Scout girl and the Mormons, and they start exploring the mansion. Yep. And they decide to split up and search for clues. And so now Scooby and Shaggy are in one area, and Scooby's just finding random stuff, and he's like, ooh, a clue. And then he, like, finds underwear, like, another clue. Well, he does that after he sees a giant safe that says, top secret, do not open, and then he just finds, like, a pair of glasses on top, and he's like, ooh, look at this. And he opens a drawer, and it says, my secret diary with my all of my plans. <laughs> and he's like, interesting, and he, that's where he finds the underwear, and then he just grabs a bunch of stuff and is like, these are clues. Yeah. And so Velma, Daphne, and Fred are uh, looking around the books and they find, what do they find in here? They find, oh. they find a big book that's like, like an, like an ancient, uh, like magic ritual book. And basically they realize that it was a book that was owned by Jacobo mm-hmm. and it's, it includes like a, a text for creating real monsters. Right. So like they need, you know, they need certain things to make uh, sentient creatures uh, that are evil. And so now as they're figuring that out, Scooby shows Shaggy all the clues that he has. Shaggy's like, these aren't clues, Scoob. These are just random junk that you like. And he's like, oh no, what about this? And it's his toilet brush. And he's like, Scoob, that's a toilet brush. And he's like, no, it's a microphone or something like yeah, that, right? Scooby starts singing into it. And then Shaggy's like, well, now I want to do that. So they both sing into it. And then they realize that the Black Knight... Oh, just a second before that, they find they find an actual clue. There's a oh, sticky right, note stuck right, to right, the right. bottom of Scooby's paw, and it says, like, you know, it says the name of a location. I forget what it is. And it says, tonight. And Shaggy's like, tonight, that's tonight. We, this is a clue, which a sticky note yeah. could be written at any time, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they realize they found a clue, and they're super excited, and they start doing 
one of the eight dance numbers that they have in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and then at some point, yeah, they realize the Dark Knight is... Uh, not the Dark Knight. <laughs> Batman, <laughs> Batman just shows up and he's like, Scooby, Shaggy, you need to solve the mystery. Scooby, where's Rachel solve the mystery? <laughs> they actually did do a crossover <laughs> episode back in the day, so one of the most out of left field thing ever. But no, not the Dark Knight. The Black Knight shows up and he's all spectral and ghosty and Shaggy and Scooby scream. Velma, Daphne, and Fred here. They grab the book and start running. They do like a nice little cartoon thing with Scooby and Shaggy stacking stuff up on the on the door. Black Knight. It's so hard not to say Dark Knight. Yeah. <laughs> the Black Knight comes in through like a, a secret door and like traps him. It's like, oh no! The other three kind of come in there and try and save him, and he just easily dispatches with Fred because. Fred. Yeah, Fred is kind of useless. Yeah. And honestly, Daphne and Velma are the only, like, really useful ones in this entire group. Yeah, honestly. And uh, I have that down in my notes of something will change later. Oh, good. So Daphne comes in and kicks ass, is beating up the Black Knight as Velma's figuring out the weakness of <laughs> the Dark Knight. Or, fuck, now yeah, you gotta right? be again. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> Velma's reading from the book to be like, all right, so when you look at the way the sun sets in the west, and if you go 28 and a half feet up from the core of the earth and she says all this stuff while Daphne's fighting the Black Knight and Velma's just like his weak point should be right here and she just does a nut shot and she kicks him in the crotch and he's like oh the royal uh, it's twins. the round tables yeah the round tables oh man which is a weird name for those but that's okay yeah and so then the, they just leave yeah they, like, just, they just run out it, it was a weird shot because you just see them walk past and like the the Black Knight could just reach at them, but they just run past him, go out the door, get in the van, and, like, drive all the way back. Yeah, and so now they're back in Austin's uh, psychedelic <laughs> area, and they're talking about what they're going to do. Scooby and Shaggy are like, Scoob, we got to, like, we're going to go to the nightclub with all the bad guys in it. I think it's called the Phallix Club. Or, um, <laughs> You want to go to the phallic uh, club? <laughs> uh, and so they fake Scooby having uh, rabies. And so... The faux ghost. The faux ghost. That's okay. Okay. Uh, phallic yes. ghost, faux ghost, basically. <laughs> the same yeah, thing. they're like, we want to go to the faux ghost, but they don't want to tell the other guys. They want to solve this mystery themselves. Right. So Scooby and Shaggy, <laughs> yeah, fake Scooby having rabies. <laughs> And so as they're off doing that, Velma is, like, getting more self-conscious about... Oh, no, does Seth Green come Yeah, in? Seth Green okay. comes to the door. Uh, we never really find out why. Mm-hmm. He just kind of shows up. And Velma's like, he's here to ask me on a date. I know it. And so Daphne's like, we need to make you over. We did such a good job of making these women kind of, like, badass on their own. Yeah. I, I was a little disappointed in this, but, you know. <laughs> so they literally just get Daphne in, like, the most tight spandex or not spandex leather ever and they like really like you know mm. it's like a different look for Velma it's it's her same color but like she's all dressed up yeah it looks like she's in a like Kill Bill you know yeah that's exactly what she looks like Seth Green standing like in the living room she just looks at him and just like who's your mommy (laughs) which is ridiculous and then Seth Green I almost feel like in just a regular moment he just kind of looks at her and is like who my my mommy (laughs) This is some good jokes. Oh, uh, yeah. And then they, uh, so yeah, they all pile into the mystery machine because they're going to go to, uh, they're going to go to the museum to try and see if there's any extra clues. Right. See if the police have found anything. And so they drive all the way to the museum. 
So now Scooby and Shaggy are at the Faux Ghost. They're about to go in, but realize, like, everyone there is, like, someone that they have demasked before, so they have to dress up. And so they go as... They go into the club as, like, pimps, I guess. <laughs> kind of. Like, they just go in... They, I mean, they go in, like, 70s, like, disco wear. Yeah. And try, try to look, like, evil, but also, like, like they fit. And this one girl just has the hots for Scooby-Doo right off the bat. She, she's like, oh, hello, baby. And then Scooby's just like, hello, baby. <laughs> uh, but then when they go there, uh, Scooby's, like, you know, over with... Uh, or no, then Scooby and Shaggy go and find Old Man Wickles. Yeah. And he's uh, sitting at the bar alone. Shaggy goes over and is like, you know... Is, do you think there's anything you could tell me about uh, the evil life? And in, in a very, like, serious moment, Old Man Wickles goes, you know, I've lived a long life where I've done a lot of bad things, and I, I, I learned a lot in my time in prison. I'm, I'm ready to give up this life. If you're a smart kid, you'll not be one of the evildoers like us. And Shaggy's like, so what you're saying is you're grateful to Mystery Inc. for putting you in jail and having you learn a lesson. He just grabs a handful of peanuts and crushes them and says, if I ever see those Mystery Inc. kids again, I'm gonna... I'm gonna kill them, basically. Say whatever PG version of fucking destroy those bitches. (laughs) Whatever version of that that is. I have to also just quickly say, like, the props in the club are, like, really nice. Like, they use, like, a -a whack-a-mole Oh, but yeah. instead of whack-a-mole, it's whack the incorporated. So it's just like yeah. So it's like all the villains who like they've unmasked over the years are just like playing whack-a-mole with their heads. Yeah, and like they have dart boards of each of them, and they're throwing darts at it. Um, but now Shaggy's like, "All right, Scoob, we gotta go." But I need to go to the bathroom first. And then Scooby, as one does, gets roped in and doing the Scooby, or like the do, or whatever. Yeah, it's, he gets roped into doing a disco routine. Yeah. It's so... Oh, um, man. At this point, I was like, wow, all right. The, the, the effects are showing that these don't hold up. I, I can't tell if they know what they're doing, or if they're doing this and don't realize how cheesy it is, but like... Like, Scooby does a dance move, and, like, in, like, a almost like a West Side Story, like, thing, every, like, everyone else just, like, turns to him, <laughs> and is like, oh, look at him dancing. <laughs> and then everyone just gets into it. They start doing the do, or whatever. They do the do, but while they're doing that, Scooby's wig is kind of, like, falling off of his head, and Shaggy comes back from the bathroom and, like, notices that this is happening. And he starts, like, pointing at Scooby, but Scooby thinks he's just doing some dance moves. <laughs> and at a certain point, Scooby's wig flies off and hits someone in the face. And it's at that point that they realize that he's Scooby-Doo. Yeah. <laughs> Not the fact that he looks like a dog and has a dog face. It's because the afro came off of his head. Yeah. And so now they're all like, oh, it's the people from Mystery Incorporated. And they're like, run, Scoob. And they go through the trash and, like, mm-hmm. they're safe. So now they're like, wow, we missed a big one. And so now we cut back to Velma, Fred, Daphne, and Seth Green going to the, um, museum. the museum. Yeah. And they, f- they walk up, and there's a bunch of police and news reporters out there. And they're like, what's going on? They're like, uh, what's your comment on the museum attack or whatever? And they're like, what? A museum attack? And Seth Green and Velma run off. Fred goes to talk to Alicia Silverstone. Well, he's trying not to, and but then he, you know, says something stupid. And then well, he, he's like, "Hey, I don't like how you edited me. You're trying to ma- edit me like I think Coolsville sucks." And then he's like, "Oh shit, no!" And then they start only playing that clip, where yeah. saying he thinks Coolsville sucks. That happens, and they're they don't look very good. Velma and Seth Green go inside, and Seth Green sees that all the costumes are gone, and all the his entire like museum is ruined. 
And Velma tries to apologize, but Seth Green's just like super angry and runs away and it makes Velma feel bad. So the three of them get back into the mystery machine. But Daphne's like, I'm going to have some words with you, Alicia Silverstone. <laughs> and she comes out and she tries to confront her and say, I think you're actually the, the masked villain because uh, you're, uh, you know, a, you're trying to make us look bad and you have such a grudge against Mystery Inc. You're, you're the most likely suspect here. And she's like, is that really who you think I am? And right on cue, the masked man appears on top of the museum. And he's like... Mystery Incorporated, <laughs> and he's—I uh, can't. Remember. He's just like you have failed so far, and all my armies will get bigger and stronger. Blah blah blah. And Alicia Silverstone's just like, damn it, you ruined my shot. And before this, she also mentions how Daphne is useless. Like you're just yeah. a pretty face, and I'm like, no, she's not. not. She's like kick ass. Like. She does shit. If you're going to say anyone's the pretty face, it's definitely Fred. Fred yeah. <laughs> like, they try to, like, say it like Fred's the plan maker. I have not heard Fred do one plan through two movies. Right. Oh, man. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he... I mean, that's just what she's trying to do. She's trying to, you know, break up the group and cause drama and shit. Right. And so now she's pissed. She drives off with... Um, her crew and everything and Daphne's just like hmm I guess he's she's not really the villain hmm interesting and so now we cut back to Scooby and Shaggy like taking trash off them being like wow okay that didn't work Um, we need to find like more clues but then they hear this like tough guy talking to another tough guy being like hey where is all this stuff like like I don't know what is this blah 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 and it turns out that it's Batman talking to... That's right, yep. Batman. But Batman looks a lot shorter and more ginger than usual. Oh, sorry, that wasn't Batman. That was Seth Green. Right. Shaggy and Scooby run to Seth Green, and he's, like, shaking down one of, like, the villains. Yeah. And he's like, tell me where I can, like, you know, find out what I need to know. And uh, Seth Green looks very suspicious yeah, this, this entire time. It's pretty sus. Um, but he's just like, oh, okay, Shaggy, you just got put on a tough guy act. Like, you know, and then Shaggy's like, yeah, sure. He's like, what, you don't believe me? And then she's like, no, no I believe you. He's like, you don't believe me. And he's like, ah. And he's, Shaggy's like, ah. He's like, ah, I'm just messing with you guys. And I'm like, oh, okay. Are you just messing with us, Seth Green? Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Shaggy just gives like this one line where it's just like, all right. You keep doing what you're doing. I'll, we'll, we'll see you later. And so, well, they see uh, old, old man, man Wickles going right. into like this like abandoned mine factory. <laughs> sure, you know how in a metropolitan area like Coolsville, they also just have a mine where they <laughs> get the materials they need. And then, so Shaggy and Scooby are hiding in bushes, and they're like creeping up to it. And then they start talking to each other in these like uh, can cups. And he's like, Shaggy, do you, or Scooby, you know what's happening? He's like, yeah, we're following a person. And then Old Man Winkles turns around and they stop. And Old Man Winkles just like, goddamn bushes talking to me again. Ah. <laughs> that was so great. Uh, Old Man Winkles goes inside the building. Shaggy and Scooby try and find like a way into kind of underneath the building. From there, I don't know why or how, but basically... Fred, Daphne, and Velma know to go to that mining area. Yeah, it's a bit weird. But they basically go there because they know Old Man Wickles will be there. So they see him in the window, and they kick in the door. They're like, we got you, Old Man Wickles. And he's, like, explaining an evil plot. Like, while they're doing this, like, we've been planning this for years. And we're finally ready to execute my amusement park. (laughs) And it turns out Old Man Wickles actually isn't planning anything evil. And he just wants to build an amusement park. 
uh, and when they confront him about his relationship with Jacobo, he's like, I hated Jacobo. He was a horrible person. He was always mean to me and stole my, like, pretzel snacks. And my tater tots. Oh, my tater tots. <laughs> yeah. And he got the lead role in My Fair Lady. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is a weird thing, but it actually kind of comes back later that Jacobo was, in fact, the the titular lady in My Fair Lady, mm-hmm. which is something that's clever and also very stupid <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> but we'll get back to that. Uh, they start questioning about Old Man Winkle's like, well, why do you have this, like, book for the monsters and everything? He's like, I don't know. Wait, you guys were the ones that broke into my house, weren't you? Which one of you took my toilet brush? <laughs> and so now the investors are like, all right, we've seen enough. And they walk away. And Old Man Winkle's like, uh, pour one out for him because he doesn't get the investors. But also he was trying to make an amusement park where children would, like, do free labor in a, in a mine <laughs> for hours. It's, it's, it's a fucked play, but it's, it's funny. Yeah. So now we go back to Scooby and Shaggy. And they were, like, entering this, like, weird part of the factory. And they open up this refrigerator with a bunch of weird-looking potions and liquids and they just start Scooby just starts <laughs> drinking it <laughs> and he turns into like this weird slug looking thing and Shaggy's trying to find an antidote for him and he like splashes him with something else uh, and then Shaggy drinks one yeah even though he's told Scooby he's stupid to doing that but Shaggy drinks it anyway and then also gives it to Scooby yeah and this is where the nightmare fuel starts cause Shaggy turns into a woman and it's like really poorly done where you can clearly just see it's a regular woman's figure and they just shittily like CGI'd uh, Shaggy's head onto it. Yeah. It's, it's real. It's really bad. And like, I mean, I'm not gonna necessarily use the word problematic. I could use the word problematic if I wanted to, but we'll move on. From that. <laughs> uh, Scooby took the same potion, but instead of like becoming a woman, he becomes like I don't remember Albert he, Einstein. Yeah, he becomes Albert Einstein, and somehow Shaggy gets another potion thrown on him, and he becomes like this giant buff jock guy, jock dude. And he becomes <laughs> a lot dumber, and Scooby's trying to find an antidote, and Buff Shaggy's like, "I'll never become the weakling I was before," and he, they, I don't know, like make like make an explosion. Yeah, and at some point. Daphne, Fred, and Velma uh, cut, find the, the lab, too, and they walk in, and they see uh, Shaggy and Scooby are there, and Scooby, in his genius state, uh, turns Shaggy back to normal, turns himself back to normal, uh, which is weird, because smart Shaggy, or smart Scooby, should have just figured out the answer to the mystery first, Yeah, told everyone what it was, and then went back to normal Scooby. What a stupid Shaggy, stupid Scooby, man. Come on. Come on, man, but... The three responsible ones yeah. go searching uh, throughout the the lab to try and find more clues. Whereas Scooby and Shaggy just start <laughs> dicking around. They're like, Scoob, we did something. This is all us. And they just go up to this panel and start pressing buttons. And it's making really cool noises. And they start, like, not rapping, but singing to it. But like, unfortunately, <laughs> the, the machine that they're pushing the buttons for is the one that has the costumes on it. And as it, the costumes pass through the machine, they turn into real-life versions of the monsters that are the costumes. And basically, they create, like, the Tar Monster. They create the Minor 49er. Mm-hmm. They create a bunch of these monsters. The skeleton people and everything. And so now they're like, oh, shit, like, we just made these things. And they start chasing after um, the whole gang. 
uh, we get to the point where Scooby and Shaggy are just like sort of skiing down this hill. Yeah. And the skeletons are attacking them, whatever. It's a great level in the video game part. Well, here's a weird <laughs> thing, though, because Scooby and Shaggy are supposed to be afraid of everything. Right. And Shaggy, without hesitation, grabs a trash can lid and jumps off the side of a cliff and just starts snowboarding down the side of a cliff with a trash can lid. And Scooby just follows after him. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Fred, Daphne, and Bubba ripped the control panel off of the machine, and they kind of run off with that, uh, get back in the mystery machine and drive away. Right. Um, and so now... The monsters are unleashed, and the gang is worried that they're going to get caught and need to go to a different place, so they decide to go to this uh, old cabin that they've had, and as they're doing that, the monsters are unleashed on all of Coolsville, where the guy in the black mask comes back with uh, the pirate ship and goes around Coolsville. Where did the pirate ship come from? How is that one of the powers that Captain <laughs> yeah. Cutler has? Is to make a pirate ship? They don't explain how these other things happen. That's true. Um, Was there just a giant pirate ship that they shoved through that machine? Yeah. <laughs> uh, good question. Good I don't question. know. It's a it's a non sequitur because the pirate ship never comes back. Yeah, it's just the thing that the the black mask guy like shows up in his or I guess it's not black mask. The black outfit with a silver mask. Right. And he's like, "Someone bring me Mystery Incorporated." <laughs> and the whole channel news that has um, is reporting on this. They get attacked by the Black Knight. They shut off all communications, and they're like, "Please, Mystery Incorporated, just turn in yourself. Do what you can." Ah! Uh, but they get to their abandoned cabin where they used to do like solve mysteries when they were in high school. I almost kind of wish this was the movie. Oh, really? Like to I don't know, like you know, where them in high school or not even that. Like them comparing their adventures that they did in high school to the adventures that they actually did uh-huh. are doing now, and be like, what happened? What changed? But we only really get five minutes of this. Yeah, where they show up to the cabin, they're like, man, these were some good memories. Mel was like, yeah, I remember inventing this thing which now I realize can reverse the effects of the control panel. Whoa. It's a very dumb and lazy way to write this, but basically <laughs> Velma looks at one of her old inventions and dis- and, figured, and immediately is able to figure out that the reverse, the, the, the control panel that they have, she can program it to uh, make all the monsters uh, disappear. Right. So now they're like, all right, like... Let's play with this around a bit more. Let's do it. And now Scooby and Shaggy are like, oh, man, like, we really messed this one up, didn't we? And they just start skipping rocks on the lake. Shaggy has one great line, right? Because right, the, the, uh, the rest of the gang is, like, building stuff, like, with an upbeat song. And outside, right. Shaggy and Scooby are sad. And then Shaggy just looks at Scooby and is like, man, it sounds like they're montaging in there without us. <laughs> they're totally having a montage without us. Yeah, that great fucking line. Uh, uh. But yeah, so they go off to the lake and they're skipping some rocks. They kind of have a bit of a heart-to-heart. But one of the rocks that Shaggy skips uh, hits the water and Captain Cutler's ghost emerges. Oh, snap. And so they're like, oh, shoot, Scoop, we gotta go. And the whole gang gets into the mystery van. They drive off and they start getting attacked by the Velociraptor again. He's pissed. Uh, they end up dodging him, and we get the velociraptor, not velociraptor, pterodactyl, pterodactyl in uh, a billboard, and he's stuck there. Yeah. They get to back to the warehouse, whatever, and as they're getting out, the dark knight, the black knight, <laughs> is there waiting for them on horseback and everything, so you can't kick him on the round tables again. Yep. Fred says, hold on, I got this guy, so he... 
He does his one-on-one with the Black Knight. The rest of the gang escapes, but then the 10,000-volt ghost shows up and starts electrocuting everything, and Daphne says, don't worry, I'll handle this one. <laughs> Daphne. Yeah. Daphne. <laughs> you're fighting a, a monster made entirely of electricity. <laughs> and then Vel- Velma and the Scooby and Shaggy run away, and they see the kind of the skeleton twins having fun over in a corner somewhere, and uh, Velma gives Shaggy and Scooby the, the disc, and, and she's like, Guys, you have to be the ones to take this down to the to the lair. And they're like, we can't. We're too scared. And Velma has a decent speech to them about you know how they're actually the brave ones and the ones that everybody should look up to because they tr- always try even when they're scared. Yeah. Uh, and they get the courage to get out there. So Velma distracts the uh, <laughs> the skeleton twins, which. And then Scooby and Shaggy go downstairs and they encounter the cotton candy ghost. Well, do, I, I yeah. I bring this up because like, it's, it's, it's a classic trope in almost like anime or animation. Well, they bump into the Meyer 49er oh, first. And Meyer this is where they have like three fart jokes back to back. Because they oh, have one fart joke with the skeletons or something like that. Then Scooby uses his fart to counter the Meyer 49ers bre- uh, fire yeah, he, breath. He does a fire breath, and Scooby just has such strong farts that the wind yeah. pushes, the, pushes the fire back into the Meyer 49ers' face. Right, and so now they run off and are trying to get to the warehouse. In yeah. the meanwhile, Fred is still fighting the Black Knight, yeah. and, Velma, sorry, and Daphne is fighting the electricity guy, and they end up failing, both falling right next to each other, and they're like, wow, like... This is the end, isn't it? Like we're all done. This is it. And it's like, wow. All right, jeez. <laughs> well, it's 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 almost even weaker than that. Fred's just like, I couldn't do it. I'm I'm such a wimp. And you know, Daphne's like, no, because you fought and you tried hard. That's not what makes you a wimp. You have to know what your mistakes are and learn from them. And some something like that, where it's like, oh, I guess that was Fred's arc. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so they end up um, the Dark Knight. A black knight <laughs> and uh, electric volt guy comes. They fight him off where Daphne throws a spear into volt guy and Fred puts jumper cables on it and they both like fuse into one and explode. Yeah, they they find a way to make the thousand volt monsters electrocute the black knight and they all, the both of them die. Velma, Velma's like, yeah. yeah, she outruns the skeleton twins and all of them are, you know, running run downstairs and they're like where oh wait before they find out run into each other Velma runs into Seth Green right she like falls into this one pit where it's like a shrine of Jonathan Jacoba but she doesn't have her glasses so she can't see and Seth Green is there and so she puts the glasses on she's like freaking out and runs away and she sees Seth Green she like very much assumes that he is uh, the person behind this whole thing because he's got a there's a shrine of Jonathan Jacobo right next to Seth Green yeah and he was acting very weird earlier and basically he run she runs away from him but he follows her and she falls down like this one shaft area yeah there's like, like a, a, like a catwalk above yeah. like, the thing and she falls but Seth Green grabs her and is like Oh, come on, you have to let me pull you up. And she's like, I can't, I don't trust you. Velma's yeah. like, oh, like, all the facts point to you. That's what my brain's telling you. And then Seth Green's just like, but what does your heart say? <laughs> and Velma's just like, no, no. And then she's like, okay, and let's go. And Seth Green pulls her up, and she's like, oh, my God, thank God. And as they're having this joyous moment, the fucking pterodactyl. pterodactyl comes down and just swoops Seth Green <laughs> up, and it's like, oh, he can still be the bad guy. 
you know, Bella's like, oh, we need to save uh, save Seth Green, and there and Fred and Daphne are like, oh, don't worry, we'll be able to get him once once we plug in the machine. You have it, right? And she's like, oh, I gave it to Scooby and Shaggy. And then then they're like, why did you do that? And now we cut to Scooby and Shaggy, and they enter this other part of the warehouse, and they hear the scary voice like, ha ha ha, you have just bumped into the Cotton Candy Man. And it's like this giant cotton candy uh, (laughs) thing. And they're like, you will never defeat me, muhaha. And then Shaggy and Scooby just look at each other with loving eyes being like, Let's do it, Scoob. And, and they eat the cotton candy they man. They fucking murder him. <laughs> look, I get that he's a villain, but that's a living creature at this point. He has sentience and understands things, and you just ate and cannibalized <laughs> Yeah, you killed him. Holy crap. And uh, then, like, at the end, like, he's realizing, the cotton candy man's realizing what he's done. He's like, no, please stop. And he's just eaten alive. And uh, Scooby and Shaggy go down the elevator shaft, uh, triumphant in what they've done. They take, they have, they're holding like the control panel. Yeah, and they just have bits of cotton candy everywhere, and it's just like, that's damn, his that's skin. yeah, that's his body, <laughs> uh, <laughs> his left arm or something. But yeah, as they get downstairs, the five of them kind of regroup and they're like, all right, let's plug in the thing. But the masked, the masked villain shows up and says, "Not so fast, Mystery Incorporated." <laughs> uh, and basically, the tar uh, villain shows up and like traps all of Mystery Inc. And uh, like and the like, tarness yeah. or whatever. And so all of them are stuck except Scooby and the black um, mask figure villain guy is just shit talking <laughs> Scooby Doo like you could never do this you are just a dog look at all your friends dying and it's kind of dramatic like yeah. the tar monster is covering their faces like he's ready to murder these people I can't remember what but someone's just like come on Scoob we believe in you and he takes like this fire extinguisher mm-hmm. and just starts surfing around <laughs> well, um, he, sp- he sprays it so like it fr- it Freezes the tar monster's body, which I don't know if that's how that works. <laughs> Gotta get Mythbusters on that one. Uh, but basically, when he sprays the fire extinguisher, he like starts freezing the tar monster's body, and he, then he starts like snowboarding yeah. on the, the fire extinguisher, <laughs> like on the tar monster's body. Like he slowly like starts freeing all his friends, and, and like the badass moment is when it's in slow motion and Scooby Doo's coming down, like facing the tar monster, and he's like, Rah! and Scooby Doo just like fucking. Kick flips it and open like fires the extinguisher onto the monster and it explodes. Yeah, he just like freezes all at once and then just it blows up and <laughs> and Scooby Doo rides the uh, the fire extinguisher all the way to the control panel and he like throws it down onto well, the thing and then uh, the black the main villain she's like who do you think you are and Scooby Doo goes Scooby Dewey. And then boom, and the film's like no, and all the vill- all the other monsters just complete like go into mush back into their old costumes, and the villain, tr- the main villain, tries to run away but falls through that one crack that Velma was in, and they capture him. Mm-hmm. And wow, what what a good what, job, guys! What a time. They they have the, they have the villain captured. They go outside. The the media loves them again, and they realize that Seth Green isn't actually the bad guy. Which he was carried away by the pterodactyl, and what happened with the pterodactyl disappeared? Did Seth Green just fall and not die? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. moral of the story is they come back out. They're like, 
so who do you think the masked villain is? And they're like, if our hunch is correct and they take the mask off, and it's Alicia Silverstone. Oh, snap. No way. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, she couldn't have gone away with it by herself. And then they start cutting to everyone where it's like Old Man Winkles, uh, Seth Green, and I don't know, fucking someone else. They're like... Oh, no, it actually was, and they reveal, take off Alicia Silverstone's mask, <laughs> and it's Jonathan Jacobo. That's right, Jonathan Jacobo's been posing as a news anchor this whole time. Yep. I mean, he somehow formed this identity as a news anchor, was able to work his way up the news <laughs> ladder to become the main face of a news station... <laughs> And then do all this in the span of, like, three years. Yeah, wow, that's some dedication. I think he should have just stayed as a news anchor. Like, he lived <laughs> yeah. a really great life. And uh, then they reveal that there's that one part where the masked villain shows up when Alicia Silverstone is still there. And they're like, actually, it was her cameraman that was able to put on the costume really quickly and do all that whole thing. Yeah, it, his name was, like, Kyle. It was something. Ned. Ned. Yeah, and then... <laughs> Ned realizes that it's Jacobo, and as they're being put into the prison van, he's like, well, you've been a dude this whole time? And then Jacobo's just like, get over it. And <laughs> Ned's just like, but we cuddled. <laughs> and I'm like, sorry, Ned, I guess. Yeah. Well, uh, similarly, you could use the word problematic. Yeah. <laughs> well, then also, uh, Old Man Winkles and Jacobo have a back and forth where they're like, I would have been a great, what was it, the play? Eliza, I think. Yeah, Eliza. But whatever the lead of My Fair Lady is, which comes back to the fact that Jacobo was such a great actor as the lead in My Fair Lady that he could pull off being Alicia Silverstone. Yep. Again, one of the most clever and the most stupid, like, <laughs> jokes and, like, I guess foreshadowing that we should have... It's kind of like... It's a weird bit of foreshadowing. Yeah, no, it's really clever. It's really good. It's also really stupid. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so that happens. Fred and Daphne kiss because apparently, you know, they had to... Their relationship was in trouble. Velma admits that she likes Seth Green and she should stop pretending to be someone she's not. Scooby and Shaggy embrace who they are. They kind of do like a little back and forth where they're like, Shaggy, put on the Captain Cutler's uh, helmet. And he does, and Scooby's like, oh, ghost! And he's like, no, it's me, Scoob! And they're like, oh, that's love. Oh, man. And so then they go back to the villain nightclub, whatever, (laughs) and they do the do, man. That's right. Oh, man. (laughs) Everyone's doing the do. Well, not just everyone. Ruben Stoddard of American Idol fame. (laughs) Holy crap. I didn't realize that was him. Oh, my God. Scooby just very quickly says... Hit it, Ruben. And it just, like, pulls back and it's Ruben Star. Oh, my God. Um, and, yeah, so that's how the movie ends with the dance fun thing. Yeah, and so the credits roll, and that's Scooby-Doo 2. But there's an after credit scene. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you see this? Um, I didn't see it, but uh, I remember it. Oh, okay. It's still in the movie right now. like Which is such a weird thing to keep in the movie. Yeah, okay, so what... <laughs> In the after credits scene, we see Scooby-Doo playing the Scooby-Doo 2 video game on, like, his PSP, or not PSP. It uh, Game Boy. Yeah, like Game Boy Advance. And he's like, ooh, oh, secret code. And um, he puts up on the screen the secret code to get, like, I don't know, extra lives or something. It's just SD2. You know, not a very hard code. Yeah. But, like... That's so weird to have in your final movie, still. It's also a weird thing to put at the end credits. Like, I don't know if they advertised it before, 
because it's a, it's a decent idea to tie in, you know, the video game with the movie that you're making. Right. But it's such a weird <laughs> thing to do. Yeah. And like, I mean, if you watch this movie in 20 years still, like that's still going to be there. Yeah. Because that's just officially in the movie. Yeah. Like. That's so bizarre, you know? I don't know. That's I don't know why you kept that in. Like, we watched this on Netflix, and it's still on Netflix. Yeah. That's so weird. I but, mean, it's maybe some people are still playing the Scooby-Doo 2 video game. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I played that game when really? this came out. Yeah. Did you use the cheat code at the I end? I did. I don't remember what the cheat code does, but, like, I did do that at that point. Um, that's funny. Yeah, but uh, that's Scooby-Doo 2. Uh, thoughts after recapping it. I mean, it's still so dumb. And, yeah. But it does have a, such a charm that, like, the first movie didn't know what it was, and this one absolutely is very aware that it's this ridiculous uh, ride of, of a movie. Yeah, one thing I forgot to talk about when we were reca- uh, recapping was, like, the actual substance that they're trying to, like, destroy that makes all the monsters yeah. is randomo- randomizing. Oh, it was, yeah, randominium or something. Randominium. That's fucking great, dude. That just, like, after you do that, it's like, you know what you're doing. This well, is, yeah. like... <laughs> and that's the thing that Velma says. That's what she's like, oh, yeah, I remember making this machine, and it can recognize the key signature of randominium. Yeah. And that's, like, the key component of turning <laughs> the costumes into uh, real monsters. Because they know that that's a stupid idea, but it's like a it's it's a fun idea for Scooby Doo. Like the concept, like I say, the movie's stupid. The yeah. concept behind it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. You, like you take the villains from the '60s and you make them like real monsters, and I feel like that's almost something that kids have wanted to see for like 40 years. Yeah, no, the premise is so clever. Like you get to see all the monsters yeah. in one place and. I, when I was a little kid, I freaked out about that. I was like, oh, my God, look at all. Because, you know, I grew up with the show. Mm-hmm. It was really, really cool. And it was a good idea. Give him props on that. It is a kid's movie. But it yeah. does get too... It indulges too many of the easy kid tropes. Where, yeah, like, there's literally three farting jokes back to back at one point. The problem is that it just talks down to kids so much. That, uh-huh. like, is disappointing. Because there's a lot of parts where it really plays with being clever and kind of lets you try and figure out the mystery. It's pretty apparent that it's Alicia Silverstone the whole time, but they do a decent job of making it kind of look like it could be Seth Green or mm-hmm. uh, Old Man uh, Wick, 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 Wilkins Wick, or whatever. Wick, yeah, yeah. Or it could even be Jacobo just having come back and not pretending to be Alicia Silverstone. Yeah, I mean... I, I, it, I, it's, a, it's a decent mystery. It's a better mystery than the first one where it was clearly Rowan Atkinson the whole time. Oh, yeah. Well, well, it, it, I mean, it was, it was scrappy dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It, yeah, but the, it's sort of like the same thing with Scrappy Doo, where they give him that quick backstory. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, okay, well, this is happening, and yeah. they give Jonathan Jacobo a huge backstory, like, oh, this is what happened to him, but he's dead. And I remember as a kid, I was like, well, that was weird. You spent two minutes doing that, yeah. like, okay. I mean, if it wasn't him, it still is important because it was his research. Because he was the one, him and Old Man Wiccans were, like, researching how to turn things into real monsters. Yeah. So it could have easily just been someone like Patrick, who was a a devout follower of, Mm -hmm. like, you know, figuring out, like, with these monsters. And, like, he very much loved Mystery Inc. So I... It does make sense, but almost in another sense, it's like, of course, it was going to be a Jacobo the whole time. Right, right. Mm, okay. Uh, the the part, I, we're not talking about this app, because I was going to save it until afterwards, but now that we've talked about talking down to kids, uh-huh. the director, Roger Gosnell. Okay, yeah, who is this guy? He directed these two movies. 
He did the Smurfs movies. Uh, okay, He's kind okay. of the go-to guy for like these, you know, broad kids comedies. Right. And I, I don't know what he's like. If maybe he does actually have a plan and he really cares about these movies and it's just not working out. Uh huh. But it just feels like every single time he makes a movie, it's always that thing where it's like, "Hey there, kids, <laughs> what's that you want to see? You want to see some dancing? You want some farting? Okay, <laughs> here it is." And it just. I just have such a problem, especially with, like, his style of being over the top and usually not in a fun way, mm. more in just a way that's, like, kids like it loud and bright and colorful and stuff, and it, it doesn't feel like it's that way f- to serve the story necessarily. Right. I feel like this one was a little bit better, where Scooby-Doo 2, where they kind of knew what they were getting into and made it better, but Scooby-Doo 1 just felt like it was just, it, it was it was there to service as, like, a thing to sell to kids, and uh-huh. especially the Smurfs movies feel like they're just selling to kids. Yeah, I mean, that's probably what they're doing. But it, it's it's just one thing where, like, something like the Lego movie, which is the epitome of this type of thing, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. selling, like, they're very much selling to kids. They're trying to sell Legos, but they're doing something else at the same time where you tell a good story. It just, uh, it just... Why can't both of those things be true? Yeah, that's that's just my my little bit of a rant on Raja Gosnell. Maybe he's not that type of guy, and he actually is really trying to be a good director. It just isn't working out for him. Because, yeah, he did Show Dogs last year. Oh, gosh. Smurfs, (laughs) Beverly Hills Chihuahua, both Scooby-Doo's. Oof. So, yeah. Hmm. We did Home Alone 3 was his first movie. Oh, wow. So which one do you like more? Do you like this one or the original Scooby-Doo more? It's hard to tell. I I do think I like the first one more as a movie uh-huh. because it does try and tell a whole story, give you an arc for every character, give you something to kind of latch onto and really feel. This one is very much a romp in the world of Scooby Doo, <laughs> which I like better. So I think I like two better, but I think one is a better movie. If that makes sense, like yeah, I, I think two is a is a more fun time if you're just gonna be like watch a movie, either turn off your brain or just be like this is this is what it is. I I think I like this one better to be completely honest. When I was watching this, I had just like a way better t- time watching. Like I just completely accepted what I was watching and like. It's so self-aware, too, at times. Yes. Where I know the first one was self-aware, and I like the first one, but this one just definitely embraced that, like, the random, random randomizing, whatever shit. Yeah. And, like, oh, man, they're totally having a montage without us. Like, that stuff is so funny. And I do like the premise a lot of having the monsters, like, come alive, like I said. And, you know, everyone really is acting well, too. But they're, like they're uh, all really trying. Like, yeah, I, Linda Cardellini. Linda Cardellini. Yes, yeah. Velma does a great. Like she embraces it into everyone does. Well, because I feel like besides uh, Scooby and Shaggy, she does get the biggest story in the movie because yeah. it's 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 her romance with him, and she's trying to be the smart one to figure everything out. And Freddie Prince Jr. really is is trying to embody Fred. Yeah, like kind of as this you know somewhat douchey but like likable kind of guy. And Sarah Michelle Gellar's just always just kind of like, even when she's on autopilot, she's great. Yeah, and uh, Matthew Lillard. Oh, he's Shaggy. Uh, he's great. Yeah, like, he's, he's Shaggy now. Like he still voices everything. And it does seem like he really enjoys being Shaggy. Yeah, like he, he, he that's great. I mean, Scooby. It's always weird that Scooby Doo is a character's kind of useless. Yeah, yeah. But I guess he's never really useful. No, I think like Scooby's traits are like falls into everything like he just face plants like into a solution yeah and eats food (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about before we start some uh, surgery? Not necessarily. I'm sure. I don't know if surgery will be that much because we both like the movie decently. Yeah, I think there's a couple things here and there that we can touch up on or just mm-hmm. like have different ideas. All right, so we just jump into it. Yeah, let's go into it. Let's do All it. All right, surgery time. Whatever. <laughs> What's our theme music? <laughs> um, all right. Biggest thing off the bat. And this is like, I'm really bummed out they didn't do anything with this. How do we get Melvin Dew into this, man? There we go. I've been waiting for it. Oh, God. Melvin Dew. I... Oh, God. That's that's the, shining, the bright, shining moment of Scooby-Doo 1. <laughs> Was that I had more laugh out loud jokes in this one, and uh-huh. Melvin Dew was the only laugh out loud joke <laughs> in the first one. Should we give more context to that? If I guess if no one's heard our Scooby Doo podcast, if you're just jumping in, yeah, uh, we did Scooby Doo one last year, and in in Scooby Doo, there's a part where a bartender uh, gets a phone call and he yells out, "Is there a Mister Dew here?" And right next to Scooby, you just hear a guy say, "Melvin Dew." And he and he goes back to the phone. He's like, "No, no, no, Scooby Doo." And he's like, and Scooby just kind of walks over, like, "Whatever, yeah. Melvin Doo." And then uh, at the at the climax of the movie, when Scrappy Doo, uh, I guess spoilers for Scooby Doo <laughs> one, uh, when Scrappy becomes like a giant monster, he's like, "Someone show me Scooby Doo." And then Scooby just points to the person next to him and says, "Do you want Melvin Doo?" Yeah. <laughs> uh. And I mean, it's just. So random. It was a great joke. It's great it's joke. it's it's a lot funnier in context too. It's yeah. I we did not give nearly enough justice to Melvin Dew. No, but there's like a huge fan community for Melvin Dew. There was like a <laughs> Facebook page or something or a uh, a change dot org thing to make Melvin Dew like canon or yeah, something. yeah within like the greater Scooby Doo universe. Yeah, something weird like that. Well, and then uh, there was you know some YouTube video where some guy was like Melvin Dew is the key to the entire Scooby Doo <laughs> universe. <laughs> Finding a way to put Melvin Dew in there as the one holdover from the first movie, because you could just jump into Monsters Unleashed without knowing anything about Scooby-Doo 1. Uh-huh. That if Melvin Dew is a holdover, it would be great. <laughs> How about he's the main villain, and he's trying to take down Scooby-Doo, because he has to live in Scooby's shadow all the time. <laughs> he's like, everyone thinks when they hear Dew, they're talking to Scooby-Doo. Like, you know yeah. how, Have you seen Office Space? It's been a while. Okay, do you know, but, like, the Michael Bolton character? Like, that guy hates Michael Bolton because he has the same name as the singer? It's like that. Like, (laughs) Melvin Dew hates Scooby-Doo because of that. I mean, you would have to establish Melvin Dew earlier in the movie to, like, do that. He could be at the bar, the villain's bar, just like, I I just want to be around people who hate Scooby-Doo as much as me. And they're like, it's Shaggy and Scooby. They're like, what did they do? He's like, it's my last name, and uh, I live in his shadow. And Scooby recognized him and was like, Melvin? Yeah. Melvin Dew? I think that's funny. I, my other option is that Melvin Dew, you recast him from the first movie, and he's actually Seth Green. Oh. So Melvin Dew is actually the museum curator. Okay. I still think he's the villain. Okay. But you change okay. it from being Jacobo is the is the red herring, and you <laughs> think it's going to be Jacobo or the, the reporter, mm-hmm. but then it turns out it is, in fact, the, the what was supposed to be the love interest for Velma. And but it's Mel and Melvin Dew still it's the same character but his he's Melvin Dew. Okay, it's yeah. just the same guy and like throughout he'll like sporadically just mention like oh, Scooby oh, they're always calling for you and I wish they were calling for me <laughs> and then you know whenever when the museum opens it's like well my life's always been in the shadow of Scooby Doo so I might as well just dedicate this next part of my life all to Scooby <laughs> who always has stolen my name. <laughs> 
Ed. I think I think that could be funny. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now getting to sort of more serious <laughs> stuff of surgery. You know how Daphne's story arc is just that she's not. She's the pretty face of the group. It's not even a story arc. Well, yeah, but that's what the villain's like. You're just the pretty face. And it's sort of like, why are we doing this again? We did this in the first one, and then she got badass and, like, actually worked for it. Because it doesn't make sense for Daphne. I want to give that story arc to Fred. You're just the pretty face and you yeah, can't do anything. Yeah, it's yes. like, Fred, what have you done? And Because actually, like, what has he done? Well, no, that would be perfect because that also adds into the story he's already doing. Cause yeah. Like, the main story that he has is he's trying to play the press, be the celebrity figure, and try and not show weakness. Yeah. And then if someone just confronts him and says, you don't have any weakness because you're nothing. Yeah. Like, that would be amazing. And then you sort of feel like he has, when he's fighting the Black Knight... He's definitely like, no, I need to prove myself to everyone and blah, blah, blah. And throughout, you know, Daphne can be giving support like, hey, I've been there, Fred. Like, you know, <laughs> you just got to get stronger or whatever. Do push-ups and maybe like... I can show you some Krav Maga if you want. Yeah, like, I don't want a whole teaching scene of Daphne, like, kicking Fred's ass and being like, no, you need to, like, center yourself. Use your core or anything like that. Like, maybe Daphne does more push-ups than Fred. Yeah. And, like, it's like, oh, okay, uh, guess I'll ease off on those McDonald's burgers or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Because, yeah, Daphne's uh, quote-unquote story arc only happens twice. Once with the reporter, like, an hour into the movie. Yeah. Where she's like, you're useless, you have nothing. And then when she, like, has been, you know, her ass gets kicked by the 10,000-volt ghost, it's like, it's okay to feel useless sometimes. And she didn't have a story, so... If she, Give it to Fred and give her some... Should all five of them have story arcs? I think it's hard. It would be better if you could, but you are you are going to add to the whole fluff to the movie. Yeah, I mean... Like, it's not going to be an hour and 30 minutes. Because especially making the love story between Velma and Seth Green definitely had nothing to do with the story. It just was a thing where he, he was just an extra red herring. Yeah. Uh, separately for the from this... This uh, story that they recycle is the same thing with Shaggy and Scooby. Like the main, the main reason they break up in the first place in the first movie is because Ed, Scooby, and Shaggy recognize that they don't add anything to the thing; they actually ruin everything. Mm. And they, that's the exact same thing here, except instead of the group being kind of invited to there and you get distracted by the whole idea of bringing the team back together, your focus in this in this story is just on Scooby and Shaggy trying to be brave and solve the mystery by themselves. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I wish they had a different thing to do. What would you want them to do? Like, what, what's an arc we can give them? I mean, I would almost tell them, like, to try, like, maybe to, instead of focusing on how they don't contribute to the group, mm-hmm. to have them stop being afraid so they stop ruining things. Yeah. Because that's kind of the point is, like, and they don't even really fix that in the first one where, like, they ruin the missions. They just get told that they're useless. Right. So instead of being said that they're useless, it's like, you know, you guys are really, you know, smart and you contribute to, you know, warning us when things happen. You're a really great uh, alarm system, I guess. <laughs> but uh, the problem is that you run away from everything. And if their if their arc is being told that it's okay to be afraid as long as you stand up for the right things and only run away when, uh, when, it's, when it's a necessary situation and they stand up for themselves, then you could even even keep the exact same story where Shaggy and Scooby don't run away from... Their fears. From, yeah, or, from the minor 49er. Right. And from the cotton candy monster, like, especially where it's like... Because they could even, like, forget that, that he's a cotton candy monster at the end, and it's like, they're, like, kind of cowering in fear, 
and suddenly Scooby stands up and says, "No, <laughs> I will, I will not be be held back by anyone, be they skin or cotton candy." And he just like takes a bite out of the cotton candy monster, and, this, and that's when they realize, "Oh, we can eat him." I do like that. I I do like that. I don't endorse eating people, (laughs) but that's a huge part of the movie. And if we, you know, if we're just doctoring it, I think changing the arc so that they are less afraid is better than that they don't contribute. No, I I like that a lot more too, because yeah, it's just, if they actually like stayed in their posts and did what they were told, the plans would work out more. Mm -hmm. And that's, they literally have to confront their fears. Yeah. They should have, like, a monster or something that they are very scared of. That's another thing that I think I want to wrap into this, because uh-huh. the climax... Not the climax, but, you know, the one of the main parts leading up to the climax is that all of them get separated and they all have to fight their own monsters. Yeah. There's no, like, emotional resonance for each one. Mm-hmm. Like, for the Black Knight, it'd be so much better if Daphne fought that one because she was the one that had to fight him in the first place. Right. But instead, it's Fred's monster to fight because he has to have a cool jousting moment with the Black Knight. Daphne, for whatever reason, gets the 10,000-volt ghost. Yeah. Which makes no sense except for that they wanted to have an explosion later on, and Velma has to fight the skeleton twins. Like, if they're going to do those things, it would be great to to give them not even a scene, just a moment earlier yeah. in the movie where they had to confront these villains, and then, obviously, they're having to face them again. I agree. Like, I guess, how do we... What's something we could do that can connect them to, like, make it personal? I mean, I think for the one with, with Fred, do we, I think Fred is great for the Black Knight. Uh-huh. But instead of the part where he, he, in the original part, he gets knocked out, and so Daphne and Velma have to fight him. Mm-hmm. What if instead Fred, Daphne's, like, really fighting him off, and every time Fred tries to fight him, the Black Knight just, like, punches <laughs> him or just, like, pushes him away. Or even Daphne just kind of, like, is, like, you're, you're, you're getting in the way, and that could even right. be part of it where she's just, like, she accidentally can't hits be useless her. or yeah. something like that. Okay. So it adds to his character, and also, by the end, uh, Daphne's like, I'll fight him, and then Fred's like, no, 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 I've got it this time, you guys go take care of this. And that could even be a thing where Fred's like, you know, I'm done, I'm done being, you know, the pretty face, I want to actually, like, take on this guy myself. Yeah, no, I, I think that's good for Fred. Uh, for Daphne, Daphne, I mean, you could still have the 10,000-volt monster, I just need to. Fi- I just would need to figure out a moment that would work for them earlier on. I mean, so with Volt's like electricity, like is yeah. she addicted to her phone and the Volt <laughs> well, guy? Well, this is two thousand four, so we can't. Have it's a his phone. flip phone. <laughs> She's uh, addicted to texting and using those little emoticons where it's just like calling smiley face shit. But maybe the it, this one would be stupid, but it's just like the uh, 10,000 volts like touching the phone and it bursts into flames. Mm-hmm. He's like, ah, ha, ha, and she's like, I'll get you 10,000 volts. Or the 10,000 volt monster could, this could just be another scene for, you know, the main relationship is Fred and Daphne. Yeah. What if like the 10,000 volt monster was able to like, through like electrical wiring, manipulate her phone to like text him something <laughs> or like, you know, when she's talking to Velma or Shaggy or Scooby about like Fred just being like, you know, I love him, but he just, he sucks at this job yeah. <laughs> or something, and he's, like, the one that activates it, and then uh, Daphne finds out that he's the one that did that, so then she has to face the 10,000-volt monster. And the volt monster, like, makes Fred look at those text messages, yeah. and then that's where they get, like, no, Fred, I didn't mean it like that. Or, yeah, if it's voicemail, then, like, the 10,000-volt monster, like, has a recording of the yeah, voice, like, yeah. and he plays it back for Daphne. <laughs> he literally is just replaying the message as they're attacking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's contrived, but, like, at least it's something. Yeah. Because they make a really big deal out of, like, all 
all of them separating and facing like one on one these monsters. Yeah. Velma. It should be something that relates to her like dating that guy. Yeah. Like, I mean, could it be a shapeshifter or something? Well, I think it could even like, be the pterodactyl that she's fighting because she thinks okay. that he's Jacobo. Like, or she thinks that he's, you know, worships Jacobo. So she thinks that he's like the one and like the, the pterodactyl represents like the, the relationship she thinks. Uh, Seth Green has with Jacobo. Yeah, I guess she could be like, where is uh, Seth Green? Like, you took him away. And yeah. I don't know. Because that could happen <laughs> earlier that he picks up Seth Green and, like, she, you know, her arc is completed earlier where but her Belva's arc is about not, you know, letting her emotions uh, be clouded by, you know, fact and judgment. Right, right. Okay. And, and then... I think Scooby and Shaggy... If you want to have the fucking fart jokes, just give them the minor 49er and then the cotton candy monster. Oh, yeah, they're just, you know, same thing. They're scared of these people, and now they're finally facing them. Okay. But I do think cotton candy monsters should be first, so that they have a stepping stone to getting brave. Okay. And then they almost, like, basically fight off every other monster. So, like, after they eat the cotton candy monster, they, uh, like, minor 49er, like, the Captain Cutler's ghost, like, show up. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, minor 49er could be breathing fire. And they, like, directionally, like, adjust his heart so it hits Captain Cutler. Okay. And then Captain Cutler, you know, like, shoots his harpoon and it hits Minor 49er. Okay, I like that. I mean, these are more details of, like, I guess the directing and the action scenes, but I feel like I feel like that, that would at least add some some emotional resonance to Scooby-Doo, too. <laughs> and, and, and I know these are, these are things that probably don't matter to most people because it's Scooby-Doo, too. Yeah. You know what you're getting yourself into. But you you still can put out a good product that at least people will like and that parents would feel good about putting their kids in front of, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how parents put their kids in front of movies <laughs> and be like, shut up for an hour and a half. Yep. Like, it'd, it'd just be good to have a good story with it, too. Uh, I'm not disagreeing. Uh, one thing that I thought could be interesting is having a rival Mystery Inc. group. Oh. So, like, these people are like, we're the up-and-comer guys, and you guys are old school. Like, you don't know how to solve these mysteries. Like, look, you're you're literally in a museum. <laughs> like, instead of Patrick being the—or Seth Green, sorry, yeah. being the museum moderator, he's, like, the Velma of the group uh. and the other guys, you know? And so they all have, like, their parallels. So, like, instead of Scooby-Doo, like, the dog, it's— Catty cat, or <laughs> you know, yeah. The shaggy guy is like really buff and in, in shape, and like is super into protein shakes, and like you know, like they're uh, opposites, but yeah. like in a slightly different way. Mm-hmm. They're, they're the same but different. Yeah. yeah, and maybe they're like another group of people where it's like you know, are they the bad guys? Or are they not? Like, True. and they use like younger tech to do it all or something like that. I could see that. I think the movie would definitely have to be at least. 10 to 20 minutes longer to include a storyline like that, but I do think that would help with some of the proceedings. Because especially if, like, the, the, I guess the Seth Green character shows up uh-huh. and is off, that could be why he shows up to their place. It's like, hey, I'm going to offer an olive branch to help you, but just don't tell, you know, my friends. Well, it could also be, like, Mystery Inc. is always constantly wondering, like, are they, are they with us or are they against us? Because, like, yeah. they could be the bad guys or they could be helping us solve the mystery. But if they're trying to make us look bad, like, that's good for them, because now they'll have a monopoly over teenage clue-solving places. Yeah. I think that's a solid idea. I, 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 I want to see it, see what it would look like on paper uh-huh. first, because it definitely is a huge addition to the movie to, to include an entire new group. It's like a subplot. 
But I think we could take some stuff out too, because then we don't have like Patrick, Seth Green's yeah. tacked on. Like, oh, are you bad? Oh, I saw you at the docks beating up a guy, and you could fast track a lot of the old man Wilkins stuff. Yeah, because they don't really learn anything from that scene where he's like trying to pitch to his investors to make that theme park. Yeah, you just learn that he's not the the bad guy, and that's all that you learn from it. Uh huh. Whereas you could just leave that a mystery. And just head straight to the lab. So that does eliminate a whole five-minute scene. You take out all of... Yeah, you take all, out of all Seth Green stuff. That's a whole 10, 15 minutes that you could put to the this other group. Yeah, down for that. Yeah, I think there's a possibility. And it creates more red herrings. Like, maybe these people... One of them is, like, the rogue guy that's trying to say... Their motivation's like, yeah, we need to destroy a Mystery Incorporated for us to thrive. And then we'll come in and destroy all the monsters or whatever. And we'll be the heroes. And then that that's only one of the guy, one or two of those other guys that do it. Actually, what if the dog for that group is Scrappy Doo? This is his parole. <laughs> like he has to like be a do gooder. Oh my god, that's that would be so fun. That's actually great because <laughs> then they're always thinking it's Scrappy. Yeah, they're like Scrappy's on your side. You guys are the bad guys. You know that, right? <laughs> And then plot twist, it is Scrappy. Yeah, it's still it's Scrappy again. <laughs> no, I, yeah, that that actually would be really really funny. Because I think even having Scrappy there that automatically makes them the the number one suspects. Yeah, and he can be like reformed and changed, and he's like I don't know, really into yoga or something. <laughs> yeah, that could be funny. I yeah, he has a sports strength that's puppy power. You know, <laughs> that's how that's how he's readjusted to society. Yeah, <laughs> is he's been selling a lot of puppy power. Is there a way we can make the main bad guy, like, in the story that we have right now, more involved? Like, does if it he, is Jacobo? Yeah, if it is, it's still It's the movie that we have. It's okay. Jacobo running around. Like, him in the black suit, like, can he do more? Like, can he be a part of it? Can he, like, I don't know, throw a punch or something in now and then? Because he literally just is like, Mystery Incorporated! Next thing, Mystery Incorporated! And that's Maybe, the whole I mean, thing with him. It just would be hard because he. The whole point is he's making monsters to do the fighting for him. Right. So it would be weird to have him be like a, a skilled, like, you know, martial artist or even like have a weapon to do what he needs to do. Uh huh. Because he could just do that anyways. Yeah, I just want. I wanted him to be like more running around at least and like doing something. I think the like, point of that is because usually you see like the villain in their lair, like making the plan even without the hero. Yeah. But the whole point of that is like they don't want to, you know, give away who it is or like be like, hey, why is he wearing a mask even when he's just in his own home? <laughs> I do agree that he should be part of the story more. I just don't know how to do it right now. Okay. Okay. And I think. As with the story that we have right now, a different plot twist that would be interesting is if it is Seth Green and he's trying to frame Jacobo. Okay. Like, say they figure out, like, he is an anchor or whatever and he's the woman. Velma figures it out and, like, I know you're Jacobo. And he's like, okay, yeah, it's me, but, like, I'm really liking my life right now, okay? <laughs> I'm was, an anchor. <laughs> I was planning on getting revenge on you guys. <laughs> yeah. And then I did so well as an anchor in, like, three years that I'm not going to give up this life. I don't want to. Yeah, like, I have a following now, and I can still shit-talk you if I want. So then, how'd you end up in the costume? I don't know, someone, like, just I just saw somebody drug me, and then uh, you know, put me, I was just in this costume. And, yeah. And And, and then it could easily just be, like, Seth Green just, like, you know, using a remote to control the mask. Yeah. To, like, make make a voice like that. Yeah. Because it's weird in the movie, like, so he was, like, in a weird 
Colt, not Colt, but like he like learned from Jacobo when he was younger because they have a picture of him when he was younger with Jacobo and. No, I think that was just a. Uh, is it just a random redheaded kid? I think kid? it's a random redheaded kid. Honestly, why I does think, Jacobo have that in his? <laughs> I really don't know. I think it's kind of just a, an element to the story that was not well thought through. Yeah, yeah, I'm not not disagreeing. So, kind of the last thing that I want to go over is to. We've talked about giving character story arcs and changing what they are, mm-hmm. but I think because it's Scooby-Doo, everybody needs to have one. It just kind of is what it is. Yeah. So we kind of figured out Scooby and Shaggy is both trying to learn how to be, you know, less of, or be okay with their being afraid, but being able to stand up for themselves. Yeah. Velma is to be more in touch with her emotions and less base things on fact. Fred is, you know, you're not useless. You just need to figure out what your skills are and like really hone those. Daphne has nothing, and she needs to have something, and I don't know what it is, but I do feel like she needs to have something more than be the one that teaches Fred how to stay, how to be more. I think she, that could not be her arc, but, like, she could be proud of yeah. Fred at the end. Like, you know how Miyagi doesn't really have an <laughs> arc? He's just like, uh, hurt, don't attack to hurt, or I can't remember. Yeah, but that, I mean, but. For, at least for Mr. Miyagi, you know, it's called the Karate Kid, so it's yeah. like about him yeah, and his yeah, journey, because yeah, like, I feel like the Mr. Ink gang needs to at least have something. Maybe, I mean, it's very, it's very superficial, but like, what if Daphne, her arc is actually like that she's, you know, trying to do that thing that she does with Velma to do the makeover, mm-hmm. and be like, oh, it's all about appearances, and all that, yeah. and then, you know, it's it's a very shallow arc, but it's it's something where, like, when she realizes, she has to realize that what she did to try and help Velma get with, I guess, new Patrick. Well, she could just all, always feel scared, like, if she doesn't have makeup on or anything, she's going to get criticized for not being pretty. And then, like, her arc is just being, like, I don't know, going to a battle. It could be her image with the media. Yeah. Like, maybe she's the one that convinces Fred to talk to the media. Yeah. What if that's, like, the thing where she's... And that's part of what she's trying to do to, to help teach him to be, like... No, no, you're, you're not useless. You go you go talk to them. You go say these things. And then she tries to fix it, and she fails, and she realizes that, like, oh, maybe image shouldn't be everything, and it's it's okay if people don't like you. Yeah. You just have to be able to accept that and know that you're good enough and move on. I think if we're... Especially because they're using the media as, like, a really strong plot point in this movie. Yeah. Using it as both a thing that affects Fred and how he feels, use, like, useless, and how it makes Daphne feel like she's wrong... Would I think would be a good way to consolidate the two things so that both of those give each of them uh, their own kind of arc. I like that. I and think that's good. Yeah. And I'm sure hers by the end she could you know have, she confronts the the reporter to be like I think you're the bad guy and then the thing comes up and she's like sorry you're wrong. If <laughs> we have this new story where Seth Green is the bad guy, then mm-hmm. she's like I'm really sorry I didn't trust you. I've just you know whatever my relationship with the media. I'm, James Dunn would write it better than I would, so that's that's where I'm leaving it. I'm giving him that idea. Yeah, uh, it could be more like she's always very like just so composed during interviews and stuff, and then her yeah. calling out the media, being like, "You're just trying to like make us look bad. You're making Fred look like an idiot." Like her being authentic is like that character yeah. arc, right? Okay, and yeah, and her being authentic may have put people off in the media, but it was the right thing to do for herself. Yeah. Yeah. All her Twitter followers are unfollowing <laughs> and like rage. It's 2004. Her. There's no Twitter. <laughs> They're all MySpacing her. <laughs> oh no, she has no Fave Five anymore. <laughs> oh no, not even Tom will be her friend. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's the 
that's the last thing kind of I wanted to go over. Is there anything else you wanted to try and fix? Uh, I can't think of anything. I mean, it is one of those things where we like the movie mm-hmm. and like we like the tone it's gone for. Yeah. Like, yeah, the only thing know. we're not fixing tone or like too much really with character. We're just fixing story and arc mm-hmm. really. So yeah, I think and um, adding Melvin Dew, of course. Melvin Dew, that's a must. That's a must. I'm gonna tweet at, I'm gonna tweet at James Gunn when we let this out and be like, "Where's Melvin Dew?" <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I think that's good for me. So, any final thoughts just on Scooby Doo as a whole? If you're, you know you're looking forward to the future of Scooby Doo, because like I heard a rumor that they're gonna do an animated cinematic universe of the Hanna Barbera cartoons. And Scooby-Doo's kind of be, like, the lead-off to that? Uh, I mean, if it's done well, sure. I mean, I honestly... That doesn't sound like the best idea, but if you had come to me a couple years ago saying, like, I have this idea for the Lego movie, Mm -hmm. I would have been like, oh, man. But, you know, it depends on who's doing it, really. Yeah, I I don't know. I I always want everything to be good, so I'm going to hold out hope. I don't think it's a great idea, but if they if they pull it off, I'll I'm I'll be the first one to see it. <laughs> I'll I'll eat my shoe. Yeah, I mean it's just like as of right now, cinematic universes just like haven't worked except for the MCU. Yeah. And it's one of those things where you just need to make sure you're making a good movie and the background is like, oh, this also takes place and blah blah blah. Because originally this cinematic universe stuff, it was like in Predator 2 having the xenomorph mm-hmm. skeleton in the background. Like, oh, that's dope. Yeah, they're all Easter eggs that eventually turn into, like, real things. Yeah, and I think that's how people should view cinematic universes. Like, it just happens to take place in the same time. Yeah. No, I, I like that. I think that's a good idea to do. Yeah, but well, we'll see. I'm I, I, I'm interested. We'll see the movie of the animated Scooby-Doo. <laughs> I sort of wish they did have a third movie for this, though. Some like a like a trilogy caper, just like a, a thing to have at the end. Yeah, I re- vaguely remember that there was going to be a sequel or a threequel, I guess, to this. But I I don't know exactly what happened to it. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they planned it, but it just didn't make enough money. Like it it made money, but at like an eighty million dollar budget, you ca- you kind of got to cut your losses somewhere and say this is a we don't want to make people hate the franchise. We should take a break. And come back to it later. Yeah, I guess that's what they did too. Because so. it just got wrecked in the reviews. Like there, there are so many people that don't like these movies. Yeah, and I'm not counting the Cartoon Network like TV movies no. as it's like that's not. Then those those are not canon. Those are just things that Cartoon Network was able to make. Yeah, the, some people try and connect the two, but I, I don't think it. No, no. Um, so yeah, okay. Uh, I'm good. If you're good, no, I'm good. I I I'm good as long as people. Come back to Doctor Script Podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you guys want to follow us on the newest content, keeping up with the newest content and stuff, make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. It's just Doctor Script. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, tweet at us. If you uh, liked our ideas <laughs> or have ideas of your own, tweet at us. You know, tweet back at you. It's a Dr Script Podcast, like Doctor Abbreviated Script Podcast, and. Please go on iTunes, subscribe there, leave us some stars, whatever you feel is appropriate. Leave us a review. Been enjoying reading those. Yeah, it's been really cool uh, reading all those. So if you have the time, we really appreciate it. So thank you guys. All right, thanks everyone. We'll see you. We'll see you next time. See you next week. Bye.